So, um, thank you, Angela, for coming on my podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm honoured and flattered and slightly scared. And slightly scared. Why are you slightly scared? Do I come across as scary in, in all the other ones that I do? You do, first of all, yes. Tremendously intimidating. No, but yeah. it's, the, it's the whole second language thing, you know? Yeah. It's when I sometimes make perfect sense in my head in Swedish and then I try to translate it to English and it comes out and it doesn't at all sound like what I intended. Oh. Um, it, it varies between just plain silly to, you know, sometimes funny and sometimes quite embarrassing. You can always tell on people's body language and then they go, what did she just say? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it adds to your, um, to your style as a, as a leader. So. Oh, I don't know about that. And usually the, the team around me just sort of rolls their eyes and goes, oh, okay, just hold on for this one. And they, they, they look at anybody new in the group with, with sort of pity and just sort of just get used to it. If you just shake, just ignore it. <laughs> Good. Anyway, we were, um, we're going to talk about, uh, well, basically you and your, your journey on the podcast. So, um, uh, you're, um, you describe yourself as an entrepreneur, um, and uh, I think you do fit the uh, the, uh, the meaning of that word. Because how many companies have you started and and ran and sold and folded now? <laughs> so I've started six. Um, I have sold one early on um, when I was still a, a baby in this before I really started working in a, in the big corporates, etc. Uh, and I really didn't know what I was doing at the time, so that was just pure luck. Yeah. Uh, uh, sort of what I call my real companies. I've started five. I I killed one off because it, the market simply wasn't ready for it. It's a brilliant idea, but the market wasn't ready for it, and the, the, it was just not the right time. And um, so that leaves me with four that are currently in different stages of infancy, all the way to I think June Medical being my most established one. It's now over three years old, which effectively means that it's no longer a startup. So tell me about your your background, your educational background. You you run a couple of medical um, devices and medical training companies. Uh, so um, is that your background? Are you a doctor? Do you have a medical um, training background? So I went to the Swedish Dance uh, Academy when I was younger and was headed for that path. Uh, but then quickly realized that if I was going to go down and pursue a professional career as a, as a dancer, I would be, my body would be broken when I'm 40. And either way, only the best of the best of the best to make it because it's such a competitive environment and, and all of that. And I always had a, um, a problem solving approach to things. And the whole starting companies thing isn't, isn't different for me because I grew up with parents that they're both ran their own company. So I, it's not something strange or, 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 or far away from me. It's on the contrary, it's very close by. I've always known why, why it's important to make sure that you have the receipt for the, for when you, when you fill up the car with gas, if you're doing a company trip and all of those things, it's VAT is, is, is ingrained in me. So, um, it's just not very strange to me. So tell me um, about that first company. I mean, how did you first start? Um, what was your, your first company about and, and how did you uh, get that idea? I started a, a sales and marketing agency for Gore-Tex clothing. Uh, Gore-Tex is a, a, clothing, um, a fabric that is backed with uh, 
little dots of plastic, for lack of a better description at this point. Um, and this was a long time ago when this was a fairly new product. So there was a gap in the market for bringing this into horse racing, which is what I was interested in as a hobby. So I went on trips and took some clothing with me and went to see uh, horse trainers and riders and drivers and tried to sell them custom-made um, clothing, which worked like a charm. So um, why why Gore-Tex and um, uh, why horses? Was it uh, was it a field that uh, you were already involved in? Why did you you pick that idea? I really into horses, actually. <laughs> and my dad is a, a fab trainer. He's been a super success in in Sweden with his horses. So. You know, it's just about looking around and seeing, and this goes for anything. This was a this is a combination of Gore-Tex and horses and travel and and the things that I saw and liked. But I think that it it's a method that applies to anything. Looking around and identifying opportunities and solutions, basically um, putting the two together, is is a business starter for anybody, right? It doesn't matter what it is. I I spoke to somebody yesterday who, as a medical student, wanted to take the training kit home but there wasn't a training kit that he could take home when he was a train a medical student so he made one and now they're in 40 countries and are doing tremendously well so it's just about having that open-minded attitude and looking around saying okay so if i have this problem and i need this thing maybe somebody else does too and then go and challenge it is it true then well then you got a business right so um tell me about uh, these different companies um i mean how do you manage um, all these, all the companies, and uh, and how do you manage all the staff? Um, I mean, are, are, do they all have staff? Uh, do you employ um, people in in every single company that you have? They're all go- growing, and and as I said, they're in different stages, and and it also has different requirements of staff. So, a good example is my latest baby, which is my little business nursery. Uh, I called I call it that because it, I needed somewhere to put all these little ideas, these product innovation ideas. So basically, when a, for example, a surgeon comes to me with an idea and says, oh, I like this. Um, I want something that looks like this and does this. That's a great idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a product that is ready for market and, and that we can go and launch. So I needed somewhere to put all those ideas, um, no matter what it was. It, we've got currently six projects in the business nursery there we're, that we're working on. So it's just, we needed to have somewhere where to put them. And that little company, it doesn't have any full-time employees. It's made up of clever people from all around who come in and do their thing and then go onwards. Um, but then again, you compare with June Medical where we're now 12. So it's anything and all between, but it's important I think to make sure that you set yourself up in a way that allows you to grow and allows you to do what you want to do but without taking on too much fixed costs and too much commitment because that has a bigger impact on everybody. So what are the what are your main challenges and what do you think are are the main challenges when it when it comes to setting up um, companies? I think cash flow is always a big problem for everybody because growing is very expensive. Don't get me wrong, it's great, but it's very expensive, right? We, I made a calculation last year where we took 20 new accounts with one of our new launch products, and that sounds fantastic, right? Um, it, we grew 48% last year. It's amazing numbers. Um, but 
then I sat down and actually calculated what it takes to grow a new account. And for us, it's quite a big investment. It's It takes training, it takes time, it takes samples, it takes manpower, it takes travel. So for us, every new account is around 13,000 pounds cost to start. So if you think about that, add that 20 times over, over a year, it becomes a big investment. So I think it's great when people have fantastic ideas and can grow something quickly. Just be very mindful and do your calculations. If 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 economic isn't your strong point, find somebody who loves spreadsheets because you're going to have to think about how to do that. Um, the worst thing I ever hear about is when great ideas run into that hurdle. Uh, running out of money is just it's just so sad because it it gets so many companies and it gets so many good ideas. I just, I can't think of anything sadder than a brilliant solution and a brilliant idea that falls on that stumble. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, cash flow is king and uh, I've fallen foul of that uh, in other companies that I've started. Um, but well, what are your, um, what are your challenges um, professionally as a leader? <laughs> we, we all try to get better at what we do all the time, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I think the biggest challenge for me is actually that I dip in and out of four companies and they're very different. Um, they're they're different in many ways. They're different in their setup. They're different in their businesses. They're different in, in the role I have. They're different in the marketplace. They require vastly different things. I think for me, the ongoing everyday challenge is to make sure that I intervene at the right point. I have a philosophy of leaving people to do what they're good at. I hire brilliant people and I give them a lot of freedom to get on with what they're good at. Uh, otherwise, there wouldn't be a point in hiring brilliant people, right? But I think the hard part for me is knowing when to step in and when to let people learn and make mistakes. And I, you know, I can give you good examples of where I've gotten it wrong, but I don't want to go into details around that because it obviously involves people that I work with and, and all of that. But I think that's the biggest challenge, really. And that's where you, you learn every day, but you're never going to get good at well, perfect at it, right? No, no, you're not. And I think the most important thing really is to have a, a kind of a really good growth um, uh, an open and curious mindset and, and understand that you are going to make mistakes um, and, and learn from them. So the other question that springs to mind with all that is that, you know, how do you how do you um, make sure that uh, you're using your time effectively? I mean, I have a lot of people that talk to me about time management. Uh, how do I manage my time? And my, my point is, well, you can't manage time. Time is unmanageable by its very nature. Um, I mean, you, you can't get more of it. Um, you can only spend it. You can't get it back. Um, and when people talk to me, then they say, you know, I, you know, I need to learn how to manage time better. Um, my first question is like, well, what are you spending it on? I mean, how do you spend your time? I and mean, because you can't, you can't manage it at all. Well, you'll be proud of me then, because I early on decided that that's a battle I'm never going to win. So I'm not even going to fight it. <laughs> to your point, you can't do that. It's not an asset that you're in charge of, so you just can't. So I, I try to because. Everybody has a to-do list that is longer than an, our arms, right? And, and any good day, hundreds of things can come onto that to-do list. And there's no way we can ever finish it. God forbid, we would be out of work. So it's just two, it's two things for me. One, being comfortable with having a long to-do list. <laughs> and, and also figure out what is the one most important thing every day that is going to move for me, either one of the businesses, the first, furthest forward, pick that one thing and do that one thing well and, and see the impact of that. 
And then at least, no matter if I accomplish nothing else that day, at least I know that I've done what I consider to be the most important thing for the business at that given day. And it gives me satisfaction. And I think that's all we can ever chase for. We can't chase for managing time, but we can chase for being happy with the time that we have spent. Yeah, you make a, a good point there about um, managing time and, and being happy with how we've managed, how we've spent that time. Um, sometimes, though, the you know the uh, the time that the way that we spend our time, we have to we have to spend that time on unpleasant tasks or unpleasant things. Maybe the thing that that takes the business further forward that day for you is something that that is that is unpleasant and is going to going to lead to to have some unpleasant feelings about and you're going to have to take some difficult decisions so how do you handle that indeed (laughs) well that's where that's where pure will comes in 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 hand right Uh, a bit of a swedish viking heritage doesn't isn't bad when it comes to stuff like that where you just have to sort of do things that make you uncomfortable or or that you know that you're not very good at but you have to do and for me those are there are two things that pop out for me. One is reading contracts because, again, I'm doing it in second language. And and I think legalese is hard for anybody. But because I also don't speak English as my first language, it's it's a challenge for me. I have to really, really concentrate. And, and I have to put myself in a position where, I have, no, I have to do it because I'll find any distraction before I even sit down with a contract. So that's one. But that's just, you know, that's just, that's just willpower, isn't it? Um, the other one is is actually going on representation. Um, I'm 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 a bit of an introvert, and I like my sofa. But I also know that I'm the one who has to represent my companies and the brand, and I know I can do that well because I practiced a lot because <laughs> I know how important it is. But it's those kinds of things where I have to go out and and meet a lot of new people, and um, and it's hard for me. So I. I know I have to do it, and I, I, once I'm there, I'm okay because I'm, I'm interested in people. But it's just hard for me. So that's the other part where I struggle sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an introvert as well, and although I, I am really interested in people, um, I'm really interested in, in having good one-to-one conversations with people uh, that are meaningful. Um, but you know, I kind of don't like big crowds. I don't like going to um, to big events. Um, I really have to to g myself up to to do that. Uh, but although when I'm there, it's okay, and I I, I can engage uh, people. Um, it was a little bit also like that with with developing this podcast. I mean, I, I started this podcast at the beginning of, beginning of the year, and I had a load of of um, feelings around uh you know worrying about what people would think about it what they would say i started and stopped it um but you know some of these things is that that confidence is is actually a result it's it's not a requirement so you know you only get confidence by by practicing and doing the things that you don't like to do time and time again well i think that's important too because i i I guess you you found also that the, the podcast is bigger than you uh, that's what I find. I'm, my companies are bigger than me and my personal likes or dislikes or comforts or discomforts are, are less relevant to me. I have a job to do and I have a vision and I know what I need to do to get there. And I am happy to put myself aside, my personal comfort aside, to get to that bigger goal of what we're trying to accomplish. And 
I think that's what gives me the push to get out the door and actually do it. I will do the hack out before I'm serious when I, I will sit in the car. Or I will, you know, I will really do that. But it's getting it's getting better and better, I think, in a way. But at the same time, I always come back afterwards and go, oh, my God, that was that was so hard. And I collapse. <laughs> and it's funny because my better half laughs at me every time. He's like, why do you put yourself through this? And I'm like, because it's a good thing to do. And he's like, well, you don't do you don't like it, though? I was like, well, I sort of do, but I sort of don't. And he's like, you just want to hang out with a cat all night, don't you? I'm like, yes, that'd be great. <laughs> No, it's interesting. We we all actually um, struggle with something, and a, and a lot of people don't see what what we struggle ship uh, struggle with, um, especially w- when we're we're a leader. Um, so you know, wh- what 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 does it mean to be a leadership leadership for you? What, I mean, what what does the the word leadership conjure up for you in 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 your mind, and and how do you represent yourself as a leader? Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Huh. You you waited until you sprang that one on me. Um, so what's leadership? I think leadership is the uh, is is the selflessness of letting people make mistakes and grow, and have the ability to look for strengths in people that they may or may not know that they have. I meet a lot of people who don't realize how brilliant they are, and if you don't have somebody around you to be that mirror and be that person who can bring that out in you maybe give you the opportunity to, to find out how, how amazing you are at something, or it can guide you into understanding that what you think is natural is actually a strength for you, then, then you may not be around the right leaders. And I, I would encourage everybody to, to find a good leader instead of finding a, a, the right company to work for. Um, I have made the experience myself of being in both the right company and the wrong company, as well as being the, with the right leaders and the wrong leaders. And I know for a fact that, that for me, being with the right leadership has been absolutely transformational. The I wouldn't trade anything for that in the world. And if there's one piece of advice I'd give anybody who is in a younger situation, and we do a lot of work with apprentices, and, and that certainly comes in play there, pick your leaders because that's the, going to be the people who really get you the opportunity to be who you can really truly develop to. But you need to have somebody who wants to invest in you. So I guess that's a leadership question. Is that's that's what I do. I, I invest in people because I try to hire the, the very smartest, the brightest people I can find. I don't care really what they have done before. Uh, I have people here who's done a multitude of different roles and may have not nothing to do with medical device or medical education or business innovation or any of that. But I see that their strengths are transferable. And if I can bring that out and bring that into the team, then we're all going to be better as a, as a result. So, so how do you actually do that? How do you enable people to grow, and how do you, um, uh, you know, let them become um, best versions of themselves? I think that's. I think the challenge there is really about, as we talked about, we touched upon before. When do you step in, and when do you leave people to learn? It, letting people make mistakes when you know that it's a mistake is hard, right? Because it's your baby, it's your company, and it's your it's your goal and your vision. So I have a couple of rules that I never cross. I, I never let anybody make a mistake when it has an impact that potentially is going to cause trouble for a customer or an or a user. That's a that's a that's a no cross line. So that's one. 
Um, I am cautious when it comes to, obviously, we have the legal implications and rules and regulations. We have a motto in the company that is, uh, we can do whatever we want, as long as it's legal and compliant. <laughs> and that sums it up pretty well, I think. Uh, everybody gets a lot of freedom, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility. I think that the area for me where where I sometimes get it wrong is when it comes to second line management, uh, letting others lead people when they don't do it the same way you would is a very challenging thing for me because you have to have the respect and admiration and understanding of your first line team to let them lead your second line staff. And that's the challenging one because it, it's a, that's a big, that's a big commitment, right? They're, they're leading your team in your company and, and you're hoping that the work that you've done has ingrained them with the values and the morale and the thinking and the vision that you have but then they have to translate it and they have to speak about it in their language and in their way. And they have to give it out and, and pay it forward in their way. And that's not going to be the same as mine. And being comfortable with that, I think, is one of the biggest journeys that anybody can go through as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a, as a business founder. Because that's where you really start seeing the challenge of a growing organization. And that's, you know, that's not something you can change in a heartbeat either. That's work that was done two years ago. It's coming out now. So, yeah, sort of you, all you can do is buckle up. And it's sort of like raising kids, right? You can only give them so much love and attention. And then you hope they're not going to go off and smoke pot. Uh, no, no, you hope, you hope they don't. Um... Yeah, what I've always found is, or when I'm coaching and, and I'm I'm talking to people, I says, you know, one of the things you've got to think about as a leader or team manager is that you have this thing called commander intent, where, you know, you set the object objectives, you're setting the strategy, but the tactics are really up to the uh, to the person that, that that's beneath you or or your rest of your team. Yeah, you got to let people lead the way that they do it naturally. Otherwise, you become a micromanager, and, and I haven't met anybody who likes to work for a micromanager yet. No, no, I haven't. Um, looking uh, at your blog as well, you talk about um, splitting time between family and work and how you how you keep that balance. And for you, family just definitely does comes first, and that's another decision you made. Um, that's something that also is very Swedish, though, isn't it? Because your culture is very much about um, family first and putting your family before work. It, it is, and and it, it, but it's also, I think, for me, it's very easy. I I was. Um... I've I've lived I've grown up in a family where I had so much love and support and from from the people around me and the least I can do is pay it back. My my dad is ill and he's not very well. So, you know, he needs me and so does my brother who spends a lot of time taking care of our father and and the least I can do is is be there for them and do as much as I possibly can and and when you look at it that way it's very simple. Business has to come second. Um it's just that simple. No, I think I think it's important to to have that distinction and and to have that priority for family. And and in fact, by by doing that, you're probably actually putting the company into a stronger um, uh, position. Uh, you know, in the short term, it might have an impact. Um, you know, spending that time with the family, but but in the long term, it'll make the strong the the, the company stronger because you're you're able to be rested and know what you need so you can um, effectively lead. 
You're absolutely right. And I think knowing what I need uh, and taking care of me makes me a better leader. And that makes me a better leader for the company as well. And I encourage everybody to do that because I have people who obviously, you know, in the company as well, who are going through difficult family situations or difficult personal situations, whatever it might be. And my guidance to them is clear as well family comes first it's that simple uh we'll organize ourselves around that and i will never question that uh, i know that if i get somebody the support and help that they need in a time when they need it the repayment is going to be tenfold and even if it isn't that's okay because hey pay forward right somebody's going to do that for me one day when i need it and i'll do it for those who need it now and it's just simple as that and I think the world could do with a bit more generosity around things like that, because at the end of the day, it, we all go through stuff and you never know what people have behind their doors. And, and you know, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. You're, you're so right in, in, in that. And I, and I think it's an important thing to, for any leader or manager to realize is that you, you have no idea um, what's going on in that per person's life. And, you know, the reason they're expressing an emotion, which, which might be negative, could be something that's, that's happened to them, you know, this week or, or last week. And, you know, just having a little bit of, of starting every conversation with a little bit of kindness and, and empathy and compassion um, really does go a long way to, to building links with people and making them feel cared for. Uh, and making you um, be that kind of leader that, that they they want to, to look up for, to and, and do their best for. Absolutely. And I think it goes a long way for my teams as well, because so a lot of the times when you're out seeing customers, that's the same thing. You may run into somebody and you may get half an hour, 10 minutes or, or five or two hours of somebody's day, which, again, is a choice that that customer makes and, and that you should be grateful for. I think on the times where it's not easy and you're not greeted with a welcoming smile, it's important to remember that you never know what that person went through before they walked through the door to see you. And especially that's very true when we work with hospitals, certainly. Um, you never know. And if a doctor comes from a situation with a parent or in a surgery or whatever it might be, where somebody has, has you know, received news that they never should have to hear, or if they've gone through uh, a long and difficult operation that didn't have the outcome that the doctor, he or she would have wanted. You never know. And I think that's that I keep reiterating that to everybody for two reasons. One, because kindness is never bad in any way, shape or form. Uh, and nobody's ever started a war by, by smiling. So I don't think what that could do any harm in any way. But also because it's a, it's a tough job sometimes. And if you've had you know, five meetings where with people who really didn't feel like they wanted to talk to you at all. It's important to know that it's not personal and it's not about you. It's that the fact that people, you know, we, we, we're ships that meet in the night, aren't we? <laughs> you never know what would happen just before you step into somebody's office. No, you're so right. Um, you know, we should make sure that we always interact with people um, with, uh, with a sense of positivity, empathy and compassion. As you know, I, I started this podcast um, because of my values around uh, equality and, and I thought that uh, it would be a nice way for me to, to implement those values. Um, so what is your experience of, of being a woman in STEM? Uh, what is, you know, have you been subject to uh, discrimination or bias um, in the past or even currently? You know, it's funny, I think I started to ignore them because lately, no, not very much, but I'm also in a very different situation now. Um, I'm I'm a business owner and I'm a founder and I'm I have experience and, and, and a bit of gravitas to 
to sit on when I when I make comments and when I interact. And I think that gives me a different confidence as well. But yes, of course, there's been, you know, challenging times. I uh, only a couple of years ago, I uh, was in a role where I ran uh, the international business for a large cor- international corporate, and I was flying business class a lot. And on one of those business trips, <laughs> I was sitting in the second or third row, I think, in the airplane, and uh, and I was standing there, you know, dressed business attire, flying to Minnesota, I think. So I was probably dressed very conservatively. <laughs> but there was, a, you know, there was a, a, a gentleman who who turned around as he was standing there and, and handed me his coat and asked me to hang it up for him. Wow, amazing! Um, it's something that uh, you don't, you know, you, you don't really expect. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I might probably look pretty stupid because I probably looked sort of what? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but then again, you know, kindness goes a long way. So I'm like, sure, no problem. So I turned around and I handed it to somebody, you know, up there, and I said, like, would you mind hanging this up for the gentleman in two F or whatever? And um, and then I went back and and I said to the gentleman in, in, in question, who said thank you, by the way, he was very polite. He said thank you, and I said you're welcome. And I, and then I said um, I'm really sorry, sir. Do you mind? I'm on your inside. <laughs> he was very, very, very cheapest for the rest of that flight. No, I didn't. He trust me. He felt bad in us. He felt bad in us. He was very. I don't think he looked at me um, at all during the rest of that flight. Um, there were some there were some nice smirks from our fellow passengers though, so that was uh, that's quite funny. I think I probably giggled the whole. Oh, and then I actually, um, <laughs> then I actually pulled up a book and started reading, and I was reading Fifty Shades. <laughs> that was probably um, probably quite uh, painful for him. Um, so I always kind of end the podcast asking what your best advice is for um, for people listening in um, who perhaps want to become leaders and especially, you know, the uh, the women in STEM or, or women that are in, in technical careers that, that want to um, become leader, late, leaders later on. Um, what would your best advice be to them? You know, people always say find a good mentor. Uh, and and I think that's that's probably great advice, but it's also something that we've heard over and over and over again. And I don't necessarily feel that we are we should be encouraging young leaders or women in particular to find a mentor to help them go forward because I think that that is a little bit of old fashioned. So I'm going to say something completely different. I'm going to say um, that. In terms of having ideas, I know so many people who have brilliant ideas and for some reason haven't acted on them. And if you're sitting there with an idea, with something that you think could work, just screw all the opinions of people and the worries that you think are, this might not work, or what will people say, and what if it doesn't happen, et cetera, et cetera, and just give it a go. You can always, always go back to where you were and what you already have, because you already know that. Take that leap forward and just go do it. That's as easy as you, I can say it. And, and, and trust yourself. You have capabilities, smarts, you're clever, you're strong. I'm sure you'll be a great success. Just go do it. No, that's, that's great advice. So um, so thank you for, uh, for being on the podcast. It's been wonderful to talk to you um, and very inspiring as well. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I will have to invite you to our big opening later on this year when we when we move into our new and improved and, and increased offices, we're going to have to have you over. No, I'd, I'd love to come over. And uh, and next time in London, I'll give you a shout so we can meet up for coffee. Oh, that'd be 
lovely. I'd love to. Cool. Thank you so much. Have a nice day.